All right, thank you. That's awesome. All right, we are wrapping up our series that we have called Love Songs. This is week three, and it's been a great series. Uh, I thank you guys so much. It's been exciting to, to go through this content with you. And, and what we're doing, if it's your first week with us, is we're taking one of the songs that, that we sang during this worship service, and we're diving into some of the stories and the scripture lines behind that song. Because, because the fact is, a lot of times we sing songs without even really like knowing what, what this song is about. And the meanings of songs are important. They, they, they ha have something that will stick in our head and they can help us or discourage us or just be taking up valuable real estate. I know there's only so much space in my mind and for some reason all of the 90s music is still in that space in my mind. Like it, it's still there. And, and today as we dive into the passage that we're going to look at, a, a couple scripture passages, there's there's kind of a theme that, that I see as part of it, and it reminded me of how this theme is actually in music as well. And, and part of the theme today is, is in sons and daughters. And there's, throughout generations of music, there are always songs about parenthood. I mean, you probably right now can think of a song that reminds you of your parents or a song that reminds you of your kids. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you guys talk to me real quick. We're, we're going to test some music knowledge. Right? Can, can you talk back to me if I ask you a question? Yes, okay. Um, one, one more time. Can you talk back to me? Yes. It's weird to talk in church, so I've got to make sure you know that you have permission. When I ask the question, I actually want you to answer it. All right. Can anyone name the, the person who, who performed and was famous for the song, the, the Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon? What was that? Yep, yep, I heard, I heard Harry Chapman out there, that, that's good. That's an older one, that's an older one. Uh, what about this? Here's a 90s one for my 90s people. This is one about fatherhood. Father of mine, anybody got that band? Everclear, that's what I'm talking about. All right, that, that's my genre of music right there. Um, here, here's a little one, o a little older one. Boy Named Sue? Johnny Cash, there you go. All right, we know these things, all right? Um, in, in the 90s, this one's a harder one because he kind of like sampled from someone else, but it, the one that was about parenthood, just the two of us. Yes, Will Smith, there we go. We got some people who know these. Um, because genera generation after generation, it, it, it's close to your heart, like whether it's a bad thing, like, like the Everclear or the Cats in the Crad Cradle song, like there, there's this thing uh, of talking about what the relationship with the parent is like. And, and with kids, it's the same thing. Like I, the Will Smith song, like I got to be careful when I listen to it. My eyes get a little bit sweaty now because I've got kids and, and I think about them. There's some other songs that are less known. Like there's one that uh, each one of our kids, we kind of picked the song and we sang it to them as a lullaby. And this isn't one that you'd probably know because it's from a, a, an artist who's not well known. But it was the words, soon she'll crawl, then walk, then talk. She's here for a while. Then like a dream, it's sweet 16 and she's down the aisle. And I'm like, how can I sing this to my, my little baby? Like it, it's tough, but it's true. And songs are great at helping us process these emotions, these things that we're nervous about, these things that we're angry about, these things that we're excited about. Songs are powerful in that respect. And, and so the meaning of them, it matters. And that's one of the reasons why we like so many of these songs. It's not just the tune. It's because the content of the song is something that is connected to what's going in our life, what's going on in our mind, what's going on in our heart. And so when we sing worship songs, I don't want them to just be words that pass by, but I want them to be things that, that, that we're connected to. And so we're, we're going to dive into a passage. If you want to get your Bible ready, you can flip to Romans 8, but I'm going to talk a little bit before we get to there. Um, I had a funny experience with, with, I have four kids because we're 
four times crazier than the average person, um, the youngest of which is two years old, and, and he's the boy, the other three are girls, and, and the boy, he just did something for the other day that I was not expecting from my two-year-old. He called me by my first name. I mean, I, and it was funny, because, like, I mean, he wasn't being disrespectful, but he's being a two-year-old, and he's got my weird sense of humor, where he started calling me Mommy, and I was like, no, I'm not Mommy. And he's like, oh, you're Ella? And I was like, no, I'm not Ella. Oh, you're Dessa? No, I'm not Dessa. Oh, you're Leah? No, I'm not Leah. Oh, you're Paul? It's like, I'm definitely not Paul. <laughs> not to you, kid. I'm Daddy. And he's like, oh, you're Daddy. And it's funny, because, you know, I, I am Paul, but, but not to him. Like, to him, I'm Daddy. And, and you guys know, the, the, the phrase you use to refer to your father, it matters because, like, if you want something from dad, then it's like, daddy, like, it's like three seconds long now. Um, it, the way that you refer to your heavenly father matters, too. And this is kind of the heartbeat behind what we're going to get into with this first part of this passage, is, is that a lot of us have kind of been drugged to church from an early age. And a lot of us have had kind of the rules of church enforced onto us and the kind of to-dos and not-to-dos forced onto us to where it's like we believe that our connection to God is dependent on this performance. That it's like he's the master, we're the slave, we do what he says, otherwise we get in trouble, otherwise we lose things, otherwise, you know, he's going to reach down with his thumb and squish us from heaven. And, and, and that's the mentality that we have. The scripture actually describes that as like the slave ship mentality. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that should have happened in your life. Before you begin to worry about the do's and the do nots of scripture, first you should have been introduced to your heavenly father's love in a way that invited you to become a son or a daughter. Because when you begin to do the things without having the relationship, it gets twisted. Just in the same way when my son, he speaks to me, like I'm not Paul to him, I'm dad to him because there is a relationship there. As my kids grow, I have them do chores in my house because they're part of this family and I have things to do. But when someone comes to my house for the first time, if I'm like, hey, welcome to the house, go do the dishes, that's pretty weird. <laughs> but when it's one of my kids, they understand like I'm loved here, I belong here, I matter here, so I serve here. I'm, I'm asked to do things here. I invest in here because this is part of my identity. And so we got to begin to start and understand that just even as we get into this passage because it's talking about people who, who have already made that decision. They've made that realization that I need God in my life. That I can't be good enough to earn God's affection but it was given to me freely because of what Christ did on the cross. And so with that understanding and the differences between those, we're going to dive into Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 14. We're going to project it onto the screen, which says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, which that, that, ha that term Abba, it means like daddy. It has this, this affection that is not found in the word father. And that, that's why it's put in there in that way. And, and so we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, now this is beginning to, to paint, paint that picture that we, there's these two different mindsets that you can have. You can have this mindset of saying, you know, I... I, I do things for God because I'm afraid of what happens if I don't. I do things for God because I'm afraid because I know that in the end he's in charge and I'm not. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this checklist. 
And the thing that that does to your life and your faith is it makes you obey him only as far as you're worried about getting hurt by him. And so it's created this dynamic where it's like, I'll, I'll go to church every now and then. I'll go to church on Chris, Christmas and Easter because if I check in with God twice a year, then I'll probably still not be on his naughty list as if he's like Santa Claus. And it, like, you just got to balance it out a little bit. That's not how it works. But, but the difference is that we've been adopted. And what scripture teaches us is, is there, there comes a moment in each one of our lives where we're confronted with the, this truth about God. That, that God in his perfection and his righteousness, that he will not allow sin to stand in his presence. And so sin has to be dealt with. And the way that he dealt with it is he sent his son to earth and he lived a perfect life. And, and that's what we have in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have that story of Jesus Christ and the way that he lived his life. And, and the fact that when he lived his life, it wasn't just about him showing off perfection, but he was actually doing something specifically for you. Because although he never sinned and he was found to be without sin, he died on the cross a criminal's death. And this is what his desire was. His desire was to pay the cost that you had to pay because of your sin. And that death on the cross, it was for me, and it was for you, and as, as scripture says, all fall short of the glory of God. It was for everyone. And he did that, but what scripture teaches us is there's a moment where we have to make a decision about what we believe about God. And this is the moment where I believe a lot of people move, a lot of people who grew up around or near a church, they move from this slave mentality of like, I do this because I have to, because I'll, I'll get in trouble if I don't, to this mentality of I am a son, I am a daughter of God. Like, because when you make this decision and you ask him to become part of your life, I'll tell you for myself, when I made it, I thought I was dealing with heaven and hell. I had no clue what God was about to do in my heart, in my mind, in my family, and in my future. But one of my first things that I just want to push and ask you to begin to consider that when it comes to you and your relationship with God, and when you're honest with yourself, would you say, you know, my relationship with God, is it, is it more like someone who's been adopted into the family and is dearly loved, or is it more like someone who I've been living like, I just want to do enough to where I don't get in trouble with him? Because this is the, this is the tension, is that when, when you believe that, that life is just about not getting God mad at you, you, he's not a priority. And especially if you get paired up with someone who believes that God is a priority, it's going to begin to pull you guys in different directions. Be, because you're going to build your life on one or two things. You're going to build your life on, on your own desires, or you're going to build your life on the truth of the gospel, on the truth of what God has said life is going to be like. And, and for me, I get, you know, I, I get pulled into lots of different hobbies and lots of different things really easily. And, and I, I fix my attention on them, and my life, you know, in, in some ways starts to go that direction, like ice hockey. Like, I can get into ice hockey real quick. I played some. I'm terrible at it, but I love it. Like, it's fun. And, and I'll watch videos, and I'll learn, and I'll go get coaching on it, and I'll do those things. And, and that's fun for a season. And, and right now, it's scuba diving. That's part of it, too. Like, I, I want to learn about that, but I'm too cheap to, like, go buy the new stuff, so I'm going to garage sales and buying the stuff for it. And, and, and my eyes will get fixed on that. But, but if I just let my eyes be fixed on, on something that is outside of, I don't know how to say this, important. Something that's going to matter in your family, matter in your life, matter in your eternity. If my eyes get fixed on that thing and I'm only heading towards it, it's like I begin to build my life around it. It's like, oh, well, you know what? I, I should be in church, but it's, you know, 
it's soccer season, or it's football season, and so I'm going to be gone until football season's over. And we begin to let these other things that don't really matter replace priorities that should be in our life. And we think that it's just misplacing the priority of church, but really what it does is it begins to create a spiritual decline in your life that affects all the other areas. And when I say that, I know that you know that it's true. It's like when I step out of being in fellowship with other believers, and it's not even necessarily just about hearing from me, but it's about being with other people who believe and encouraging them, using the gifts that God's placed in you. When you step out of that, it's like all the other areas of your life, it's like you just see uh, it's stepping further and further away from God's design. Being in fellowship regularly with other believers, it's so important, and, and I, I believe that Hebrews 12 kind of hits the nail on the head with this, where, where it says that we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That, that when we fix our eyes on him, you know, in the song that we were singing today, it, it said, you know, we're, we're fixed on this one thing. Like, like we're going to focus on this one thing. And, and our eyes, it gets divided so often that it's like, this is going to be the priority. This is going to be the priority for, for the season. And you know what? It's great to have hobbies, and it's great to have things that we get passionate about. But what is the one thing that is most important in your life? And I know that we'd like to just say, say that it's God. Like, that, that's the thing that we would like to say. But sometimes the evidence doesn't point towards that. And, and man, hear, hear this from a heart where, they, where I understand. I understand having seasons where things get difficult, where time gets constrained, where work and, and supporting your family pulls you out of church. I get that. But I just want to call you back to what is going to be best for you. And so if you look, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I've heard many other pastors say is if you want to see your priorities, look at your checkbook. And this isn't just about giving to the church, but this is about stewarding your money. You, you can give here, and I believe that that's a calling, but if you're not being generous in other areas, we're coming up to Thanksgiving, and there's so many families that are in need, and there's so many opportunities to give. We're approaching the Christmas season, where I want to encourage you, as a family, figure out what you want to do to honor Christ in Christmas, because if we spend all of our bank just on buying ourselves new stuff, man, we have missed the point of Christmas. What are we fixing our eyes on as a church? What are we fixing our eyes on as a family? What are we making the priority? What is directing your life? Because, you, you know, at, at the end of the day, at the end of your career, your workplace is going to throw you a really crappy funeral. Like, I mean, it's not really going to be an encouraging time. They're not really going to miss you long. Their, their main thing is going to be, how can we get someone else to do what they were doing for us? Y your hobby, you know, the fish in the ocean, they're not going to miss you that much when you leave. It, it, as I said, you know, I've been getting into the scuba thing and fishing, and it's whenever I'm out with those guys or out with ice hockey guys, as soon as they find out that I'm a pastor, man, it gets really weird really quick. Like... <laughs> Because, I don't know, pastors are supposed to stay in church all week long. I don't know. They don't expect to see me out there. And, and then they start apologizing for what they previously said, and they start explaining, like, you know, yeah, you know, I, I believe in God, too, and I'm out here, and I pray a lot for fish when I'm out here on the water. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you don't have to justify yourself to me. Like, it's someone else you've got to have that conversation with. And, and sometimes they'll say things like, well, you know, but this is my church. And I'm like, if you engage in the church conversation with me, I'm going to engage in it back. So just, you know, be ready for that. But... Here's the thing. I understand finding peace and finding fun and other things. But being at church is so much more than just finding some peace. And this whole topic of being a son or a daughter, it's true for you that there's a point where you have to decide, but one of the, the things, especially about baby dedications that, that I love, 
is that sometimes it helps us to hold up one of these kids and realize what we're doing on a weekly basis, it matters here. Because these babies that, like, you know, Gulfside Church, we're one year old. Like, we're, we're, we're doing great for where we, we're at. These babies are going to grow up not remembering what it was like before Gulfside was here. These little children are going to grow up, and, and I believe that they're going to have people who are teaching them on Sundays back there that love them and encourage them, and they're just going to grow up knowing that this was here, but that only happens when we choose to serve, when we choose to be involved. And these kids are going to grow up knowing Christ as a son, as a daughter of Christ, because of the investment that you make. And this is the heartbeat behind what we do and why it's so important, because it's not just about what we, we believe, but it's about how we use our influence in this church and in this city. But we have to allow the Spirit of God, we have to allow the calling of Scripture to direct where we're going. And not these different pools of life. Because the, these passions that God directs us in, these passions that, that, that we're called to do as a church, they matter. And, and in the song, one of the words that, that was in there was, was, I feel it in my bones. Which is kind of a weird phrase to say, but it, there's a couple different pictures within the artistry of this lyric. And one of them is, and the, old, you know, the older we get, the better I think we understand this. Uh, the, you know, I can feel the weather in my bones. Some of you guys can do that. You have mini radar systems going on. You know what I'm talking about? Some people, as they get older, young people, they, they say, I can feel a rainstorm coming. And this isn't just made up, but because the drop in pressure, they can actually like, sense that it is going to rain. And, and, and it's interesting in, in Florida because Florida, it rains all the time. So I'm sorry for what you have to go through on like a daily basis here. Because it's easy for me to be, you know, Florida life, even though it's raining a couple times per day. I can be inside my house and there's so much noise and there's games and, and there's music and there's things that engage me that I don't even realize that it rained outside. But some of you people, you, you always know when it rains. I, I don't know it rains until my kids come in and they say, hey, Dad, you said you'd take us out to play in the rain. And so I finally, you know, Florida life, look out my window, see that it's raining, and say, okay, yeah, we can go out. And I didn't even know it was happening outside. That's Florida life. Spiritual life, though, it's kind of similar. There's so much noise, and I'm just in my routine, and I'm in my habits that, that I'm going through my life, and I don't even see outside of myself of what God's doing. I don't even see out of myself of the things that are happening, and I'm just f so focused on my own things that I miss it until some of God's children say, hey, come and look and see what's happening outside. And then I get outside of my own things, my own routine, and, and I realize, because so some people actually have this innate ability because of experience, because of time, they can feel when God is about to do something, and it's really cool because they go and they grab someone else and they say, hey, you need to come see this. Some of you guys got dragged to Gulfside Church because someone that you're close with is like, hey, God's been doing some stuff here, and I think it would be good for you. It's been good for me. Come and check it out. And, and, and this gets back to that whole, you know, son versus slave thing. That, that when you become a child of God, I believe that he begins to speak to you in a way that doesn't make sense to, to people who've never walked through this, never experienced it. It's one of the difficult things about being married to a, a believer, if, if you're not a believer, because they begin to get these pushes from God where they say, you know, internally, I feel like I need to give some of our finances. And, you, and it's like, money's too tight for us to do that. And they begin to say, I feel like I need to serve and I need to give. I feel like I need to go to a small group and be involved with other believers on a weekly basis. And it just doesn't really make sense, and it's because they've moved to this side where it's like, it's not just about the rules anymore, but, but I feel God directing my life. As the passage said at the beginning, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
This is an indicator of someone who's made a decision to follow Christ with their life. That they say, I feel like God is directing me to take a step. I feel like God is directing me to do something. Jeremiah 20 verse 9 is a picture of this when God's Spirit is calling you to do something and, and, and you're in the midst of this, this difficulty around it. Jeremiah, uh, he was a prophet, and this is from the Old Testament, and he was called by God to preach a message that was not well received. In fact, he went to church that day, and he preached the message, and then he got beat and then put in jail in the church. It wasn't a really happy occasion. And he was complaining to God about it, and he wrote this verse that I think identifies with this, and, and, and it says, Even if I said that I would not speak in the name of the Lord any longer, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones, and I'm wor worn out from trying to hold it in. I can't do it. And I'm going to tell you, I, I don't want any of you guys to have to walk through something like what Jeremiah walked through, but that experience of, of, of God working inside of my heart and my mind in a way that it feels like I just have to do this, and I know that there's going to be social consequences. Or I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's going to be out of my normal, but I want you to have that experience where, where God is doing something, and you know I just have to, I have to take this step. And if you've been going through your spiritual life and you've never felt like God is directing you, then I'm a little bit worried that maybe you've just been going through the motions. Maybe you were drawn into church in a way where it was rules rather than relationship. Maybe you need to begin to explore and discover some of what it means to be a follower of Christ for yourself rather than just what people have been doing around you. Because for me, I... It doesn't, it doesn't keep me up, at, up late at night if people are making bad decisions or good ones. Because that, those come in seasons. But what does keep me up is, do people understand that God is inviting them into a relationship? Do people understand that God has something more? That God has plans for their life that they could, they could miss or they could be a part of? Because we all love those moments where it's like, I can't stop thinking about this thing. I'm so passionate about it. I'm so, uh, I'm so, so into it right now that, man, this, this is the most amazing thing. And I believe that when you find a personal relationship with God, it's like that to a whole new level. Because you begin to understand the way that God designed you to live. I'm, I'm going to begin to wrap this up if the band would start making their way up to the stage. And, and, and this whole concept of, I feel it in my bones, you're about to move. It, it, it gets into this concept of the Spirit of God moving. And, and, you know, there, there's all kinds of great people on Facebook to, to criticize and teach you how you were wrong. One, one of them that I see often is I see Christians, the old Christian curmudgeon guy who posts on there. He's like, we need to stop singing songs about Spirit come because, you know, in Acts 2, he's already here. So why are we singing about this anymore? And it's like, man, get, get, get a good hobby. Like, that's, that's not even a good one. Like, go complain about something different. Because what we see in Scripture is, yes, the Spirit has come. But all throughout Scripture, there's times where the Spirit of God moves on people's hearts in a way that pushed them into something new. And it directed them to take a step that they weren't willing to take. And that's what the heartbeat of this song has been. That first song that we sang, we're, we're going to sing it together in just a minute. But the heartbeat is that, that God, you are here, and I know that, but I'm, I'm ready and I'm willing to see you do something right now. And what I've seen in my experience is, is that on the times that, that God has moved in a congregation in a powerful way, it, it had this one thing in common. Like something went 
incredibly wrong. And I know that's weird, and it, I, I'm a young pastor, but I've been in ministry for 14 years. But when I've seen the Spirit of God do things that were incredible, where, you know, he, He's changing lives, people are crying, I mean, just that crazy moments. The thing that was always in, strangely in common is, like, when things went wrong. Like, projection stopped working, the soundboard went out, all of the electricity went out. And some people are quick to say, oh, man, that sounds like spiritual warfare or something. I don't think that's what it is. I think that what it is, is that something happened that took away our comfort and our normalcy, where we came into church and we're expecting things to just be easy and normal, but they're not. And then we realize, you know what? We don't need the lights, and we don't need the projection, and we don't need the instruments. We don't need electricity to have church together. And, and so in that moment where things are breaking and not working together, we kind of rise up and we say, you know what? I can praise God right here, right now with nothing else. And we have each other, and we have the Spirit of God in this place, so we can worship. And so church, go ahead and stand up with me. And this is my calling and this is my challenge, challenge to you today. Is that maybe you've been in a place for the last few weeks, last few months, last few years, where it's like there's been a block between me and God. Or, or maybe you've been living in the slave mindset and you need to step into being a son or a daughter of God. But my encouragement to you is to say, no matter what's been going on in my life, I'm going to set that to the side now. I'm going to set the distractions to the side and I'm going to worship God in this place because I know that the Spirit of God is here and He's ready to direct and He's ready to lead and He's ready to bring me to that next stage in my life, that next season in my life. That there is freedom and healing ahead of me when I put myself to the side and say, God, rebuild. God, do what you need to do in me. God, be at work in this place right now. So church, for those of you guys who are sons and daughters and just feel like I need to take a step and show a physical sign, it's just a very easy, just a posture of prayer. I'm going to ask that you just raise your hands in worship. That if you feel like you have to put something to the side, if you have to take a step forward with your relationship with God today, just raise your arms in worship. Just sing in freedom and be in this moment because God, we are ready. We are ready. Come and blow through this place. Work in this place. We give you this time. We thank you for what you're going to do in our life. 